Welcome to Awakened and Alive After 40, a weekly podcast about stepping outside of the box and into a life that is true to who you really are. We're your hosts, Dominique and Carrie, two 40-something-year-old friends and coaches who are on a journey to live the second half of our lives with greater flow and ease. Our passion is to guide and support our clients in becoming their most authentic and aligned selves. We love digging into a variety of topics and sharing some of our insights and perspectives through our coaching lenses. We both spent the first half of our lives trying to fit into a box only to realize we were burnt out and searching for a better way to do life. We are here to remind you that it's never too late to start living your best life. Let's get into today's episode. I am so excited for today's episode. We are going to be chatting with Carrie, who is the other co-host of Awakened and Alive. My name is Dominique, and thank you so much for joining us in episode three. As I mentioned, we're going to be getting to know a little bit more about Carrie, and I'm excited for this because, Carrie, I know that I know you pretty well, but... There are still plenty of things that I'm very curious about because I don't know about these things yet. So I'm excited to chat more with you today, Carrie, and um, learn more about your own experiences throughout your first career and now into your career as an Enneagram coach. And if you are new to listening to our podcast, first of all, welcome to Awakened and Alive After 40. I am Dominique, and I am one of your hosts here on the podcast. And we're taking the time today to chat with our other host, Carrie. And Carrie is an Enneagram coach, and we have been wonderful friends for the past few years, and I'm just so excited to dive into getting uh, to know you a little bit deeper, Carrie, and then, of course, for our listeners to learn more about your journey in becoming an Enneagram coach. So, Carrie, I want to welcome you to the Thank podcast. You. I'm excited to be here. <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm really excited to talk more about just my path because I think it's kind of a unique one. Mm, absolutely is. And and I love doing this episode because I feel like for our listeners, not only does it allow them um, to get to know us, each of us a little bit better because we'll we'll be sharing a little bit about myself at some point, but if anyone out there is interested in becoming an Enneagram coach or even learning more about what the Enneagram is or even starting a new career within your 30s or 40s, then this is going to be a great listen because, Carrie, I feel like you just have wonderful experience and insight to share. Yeah, actually, um, this is my technically my third career. Um, I could call it my fourth, sort of. But after I finished college, I got a job. I worked in finance because I studied business in college. And I really just didn't know what I wanted to do in college. So I just sort of took the smart path of studying business because I knew I could just find a job after I finished. And I did. And I found it 
an okay job, but it was not interesting. I didn't have a passion for it. Yeah. Um, what, what? Sorry to interrupt. No. I'm just curious. Um, what did you find just interesting about it and not actually feel like passionate? The what was it about it? Thing, well, the, having that job led me to living in a new place. So because I got that job, I moved to Boston and I loved that city life and feeling really independent. Um. Working in finance in a corporation. So I worked in the finance department of a publishing company. So it wasn't like for a financial institution. And so it was interesting. Like I was really more interested in like the side of who gets to work with the authors, who gets to work with deciding what books are being published, like sort of the creative side, but I had Mm. nothing to do with that. But I felt like this is interesting that I'm working for a publishing company, but I was sort of, I felt like I was stuck in this boring finance side of things <laughs> of just mm-hmm. sort of keeping the company running. It's an important part of any company to have the financial department. So I didn't feel useless or anything like that. But um, yeah, it was interesting. Like I had, I was the person who like paid the rent on the office building we we stayed in, you know, we worked in, which was a beautiful building in Boston. And like the rent for the building per month was like my salary per year. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. yeah. I, as much as I love Boston, that's just, that's so crazy. And how old were you um, around that time? So I was 22. And when I got the job, and so while I was working at this company is when, 9-11 happened. And that is what jolted me into realizing I don't want to spend the rest of my life sitting in a cubicle, staring at a computer screen for the majority of my days. And so my sister and I, she was visiting me and we were on a bus traveling to New York City to visit our friend there. And I was telling her about this sort of career crisis I was having. And she knew I had been really interested in um, communication because I had done a summer abroad when I was in college where I lived in Turkey. And part of my job, I had a business internship, but part of my job was to teach English and help the people who were learning English at the company to practice speaking. And I loved talking with them. And I loved like figuring out like why they couldn't say certain sounds in English and teaching them like tricks so that they could say them. And my sister knew I had this interest. And she said, you know, there's a job out there where you can do this. It's called a speech language pathologist. And I had never even heard of this job. So that got the wheels turning for me that I should look into that as a career option. And so I decided that's what I wanted to do next. And this was probably like, I was probably 24, 25, but I didn't have like any of the prerequisites to start graduate school. I had to take all these prerequisite classes because I hadn't studied it as an undergrad. And so in order to do that, I got another business job at a university in Boston so that I could, as an employee of the university, I could take one class each semester for free. And that's how I did all my prereqs, but it took me a while because I could only do one class at a time. I was still working full time. Wow. 
that's that's a really smart way of doing it but oh my goodness yeah with that extra length of time that it took was that hard to like go at such a slow pace and oh yeah like I felt like wow like this is such a transitional period of my life and sometimes I look back on that time and I think wow I wish I would have been more present and not kept looking to the future like it was a big moment of my life where I thought when I have this I'll be happy Mm -hmm. and I didn't try to capture that happiness in the moment. And now that I look back, that was like a really happy, fun time in my life. But I was so focused on this goal of getting into graduate school and starting this new career that I wasn't present to how fun and great my life was at that moment. Yeah, I feel like that's just such an issue with with most of us. And, um, you know, sometimes we realize that too late but at the same time like right now you're starting to really recognize like moving forward just how greatly important that is and because I can definitely relate to that I have certainly been in that place too yeah and I think as we get older we do recognize I know it sounds a little cliche that sometimes those seemingly transitional times in our life are really like where the good stuff is. Um, And we really have to appreciate it's part of the journey when we're working towards some life goal to really take in all that we're gaining and experiencing getting there. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. And so how long did it take you to actually get your degree and become a speech language pathologist? Well, that's a great question. I think, let's see, I probably started it when I was like, count, like just Were you 24? I was probably 24 and I finished graduate school when I was 28. So graduate school was two years. And I think I finished my prerequisites in the previous two years before that. Yeah. Um, Graduate school, I just went full time. Like I wasn't working. I took out student loans and it was a it was a very demanding program and yeah i don't think i it would have been possible to do it while working yeah um, no way i if it's anything like what i i know some other people who have gone into speech language that's so incredibly intense uh but yet so rewarding and how long did you work as a speech language pathologist So I worked for 11 years. And with that degree, a beautiful thing about it is you can go in so many different directions. And I really loved it for a long time. But as you know, things have gotten so much more demanding for teachers. And every year in the public schools, it just felt like, for me personally, more and more was being asked of us without any level of compensation. And I just realized one day that my work-life balance was very unhealthy. Wow, yeah. That was one of the big instigators in us deciding we needed a complete life change and why we ended up moving to Spain, where we lived for the next four years. And while there, I was teaching English, which was so similar to being a speech pathologist, but without any of the like legal responsibility or meetings or paperwork. So it was super fun and I liked it, but I I knew I didn't want to have my career being an English teacher living in Spain. 
I bet it was so nice to go from like this work-life balance that was totally off track to moving to Spain and having it be a little bit more easy and more relaxed. It sounds like it gave you that opportunity to just kind of, you know, have a breather and enjoy life for a little bit. Is that right? Oh, totally. I mean, we literally, the program we were working through, we worked in the school 12 hours a week. Wow. And then we picked up some private lessons just because we needed to supplement our income a little bit. But I was never working more than 20 hours a week while I was there. And I realized that is how I thrive. Like I just felt so rested, so relaxed, very little stress. I enjoyed all aspects of my life. And that's just, I think, a missing piece for a lot of us is having that balance and understanding that work isn't everything. Yeah, absolutely. Like just listening to you talk about that schedule, I'm like, that's heaven. That's ideal and not something I've been able to experience until recently. So um, that sounds amazing. And it's completely possible too. Like it, you kind of have to step outside of the box at times and be okay with letting go of some ways of doing certain things. And it's just amazing to, you know, hear from somebody else who lived one way with that burnout and was able to, you know, turn the corner and find something that was more suited to how life kind of should be. Yeah. the uh, I mean, a thing that I think most people resist adjusting to to help create that life is you just have to be willing to sacrifice other things like we didn't make a lot of money in Spain and we weren't saving a lot of money and we didn't have the financial security we were used to with the jobs we had back in the United States but we made enough to be really happy we weren't able to buy anything extravagant or any little extras and we didn't travel a whole lot we saved and traveled a little bit but For us, it was just worth it to have that day-to-day lifestyle, but make sacrifices in other ways financially. Now, did you find that extremely challenging to sacrifice the, you know, maybe the materials and, you know, certain aspects that here in America, you know, are oftentimes that we strive for with phones or cars and clothes and things like that. So were you finding it hard to not really go that route and just kind of focus on what you had and enjoying just what Spain had to offer without needing to spend a ton of money? I I didn't personally struggle with it just because for me, like every day I would walk out onto the street in Spain, I would look around and think, any material thing that I might feel like I'm lacking or missing is so worth it to give up in order to be here and to have this life. Like truly every day I was so appreciative when I was walking around and just in my head thinking I'm 
living abroad. I'm living in a different country and yeah. experiencing a different culture and learning a new language. And right. I appreciated all of that so much that it may- totally made it worth it yeah. to sacrifice maybe having, you know, the best wardrobe or the newest technology. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Like that once a year upgrade that we all do with our iPhones and throw out hundreds of dollars. And I mean, I can't say that I haven't done that, but I definitely, um, I would at this stage much rather to have the experience of something like that than um, buying a new phone. Yeah. Like you said. Yeah. I mean, I think that that is something I don't know if it's just as you get older or if it's unique to us. But I think once people start realizing and understanding that the experiences are so much more valuable and lasting in how they impact us than the material things, it makes it easier to prioritize them. Yeah, I can I can imagine so for sure. And and it's um it's interesting because you and I started chatting, really getting to know each other while you were still in Spain. You were mm-hmm. actually, you knew that you were going to be coming back to the U.S. And uh, when you and I chatted, that was when I first started my coaching business. And we were just having a, a chat about what you were desiring to do coming back to the U.S. Now, what made you decide to look into studying about the Enneagram? I know you weren't quite sure when we chatted about it back then, but um, I just, I think it's so amazing how you got steered that direction. And so what, what brought you that way? Yeah. Um, So I knew Spain wasn't going to last forever. I knew it was temporary. And so I knew I needed a game plan for when we returned to the United States to either go back into working as a speech therapist in some manner or trying something completely new. And I knew your story that you had become a life coach. And I was like, wow, that is fascinating. I had followed your story as you shared it on your YouTube channel and just sort of the process. And I thought that's, that's really interesting. And I didn't really know a lot about what a life coach was or any of that, but I liked that it felt like you were in charge of it. You had that control over it. You had the independence to do things your way and make up your own rules. And so I started journaling a lot about what did I want out of my life after Spain? What did I want? Not even necessarily in a traditional quote unquote career, but I didn't feel the need to have a career anymore. I just knew I wanted something I had control over and I liked doing. And so it was through a friend of mine who first even made me aware that Enneagram existed. This was like a few years before it even popped in my head to explore it as a job. Um, She had just said, oh, have you heard about this personality system? You should take this online quiz the way a lot of us hear about these kinds of things. And I did it and I saw what type it said I could be. And I kind of just forgot about it. 
Like I read a little bit and I thought, oh yeah, that could be me. And then I just started seeing a lot more on social media about the Enneagram. Some things were really light and fluffy and some things were really deep and meaningful. And I was intaking all of it like, oh, this is interesting. This this could really be something that could be useful to people and to teach people more about themselves and how they can approach their life in a different way. And a person I was following on Instagram, she ended up starting this certification program called Enneagram University, which is where I got my certification through. And it was, I just thought this is something that could help like give me the ability to create a job that I could really like that could, I could utilize a lot of my other interests. So at the time I really was thinking about like potentially working with people to help um, like be like a professional organizer and to help them organize their stuff because I really love doing that. Um, or possibly talking about minimalism and how conscious consumerism is really important and those kinds of things because I had interest in that direction and it just felt like a way this could lead me down many potential paths having this certification to understand this I people call it a personality system but it's to me it's more than that um but to understand the enneagram and to understand the coaching process and there's just so many different ways you can work with people knowing that information and it's um i love that you bring up the point that you know people look at it as just like a personality test and i know there's you know some people really enjoy it. Some people are like, oh, this, you know, that's not who I am. This doesn't make any sense. Or so what do you feel people are missing? Like at what myth have you heard that you feel like really needs to be debunked because people just automatically assume something? Um, so what stands out for you as like a big myth about the Enneagram? I think the number one myth, and I feel like every Enneagram coach has said this at one point, but it's still, the messaging is still not out there enough that people don't understand this, but it is not a system that's based on personality or behavior traits. It's mm. completely based on one's own internal motivations. So you might say, oh, I'm really extroverted or I'm really introverted, which is a trait of your personality mm -hmm. and the Enneagram makes you dig deeper and to think what is motivating me to be extroverted what mm -hmm. is motivating me to be introverted it's this deeper layer that can help us understand why we make the decisions we make why we're doing what we're doing rather than the what of what we're doing which is sort of the surface of, of some other personality yeah um assessments which are also valuable like i think that any the cool thing about a lot of these different systems is they can be layered together and they don't have to be used separately so using them in conjunction with one another can be really really insightful 
Yeah, I, I definitely agree because um, I'd never really look at it as like, oh, this is the one, you know, this is the system, like none of the other ones make sense or going to do anything for you. But I feel like it's just all about bringing you more clarity on human behavior and you know, like you said, why we do the things we do. And it's it's kind of like with me and um, my my coaching world, I work a lot with limiting beliefs with my clients. And so does that tie in a lot with the Enneagram? The Enneagram shows you what box you're in and how you can get out of it. Because so many people say, I don't want to be boxed in by a personality assessment. But the Enneagram shows you this is your patterning and you can choose differently. Wow. Which is all about limiting beliefs, right? Thinking that we have one way of doing it because we've always done it that way. Or I have this one idea about myself and I'm stuck in it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is fascinating. And that's what I've loved so much um, about learning more about the Enneagram, you know, through you. And what I really love about your content too, is that you take it to that deeper level. And I do enjoy the light fluffy stuff for sure, but I really love how you take it to that deeper level, that why behind the things that um, you're, you're sharing within your content. Now, of course, I have to ask, what is your Enneagram type? Ooh, I am a type one. Um, I tend to try to stay away from the like names or the labels given to the types because I think they can give people like false impressions. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's kind of nice to just yeah. use the number system, in my opinion, because there are no biases attached to the numbers. Absolutely. Um, but type one people tend to be when they're in the average range of functioning just pretty rigid they can be very judgmental and critical of other people as well as themselves um they're generally very systematic and organized they can be perfectionistic they have really high ideals and standards and they really expect other people to live up to those ideals and standards and you know when i read about this and started learning more deeply about the Enneagram in general and how it related to myself, I was really awakened into seeing this patterning in my life, how I had imposed these ideas on other people in my life and how I just, I knew I didn't want to be doing that anymore to people, to allow people the space to be different, to allow people the space to be have their own ideals and standards. That was a big eye-opener for me to start understanding the gray area more and not to yeah. be so black and white in right and wrong. Absolutely. And and I think that's beautiful how you just shared, like it just brought so much more awareness to the things that were just patterns throughout your life and con- conditioning too that you came to realize, you know, hey, I don't I don't want to be doing this. I want to be experiencing this instead. And uh, I just I love how much awareness that brings. 
And so I also wanted to ask you, because I know you've talked about it um, just between our own private conversations, there's a healthy version and an unhealthy version. I don't know the exact lingo, but do you know what I'm talking about when it comes to the Enneagram? Can you share more on that? I do. Yeah. So there's two different components of the Enneagram that can deal with this, which is one of those layers I was talking about to this incredible system. One of them is called the levels of development. And there are three levels. This comes from like psychology and it's used within a lot of different systems, um, unhealthy, average, and healthy. And so you can move all through these patterns throughout your life, depending on personal experiences, traumas you've had, um, if you're struggling with addiction, if you are in just a very stressful time of life, like um, a new mother or moving or getting in, into or out of a relationship, we can move through these levels of development. And when you become more aware of your type's patterning within each level, you can recognize when you're sort of slipping into the average or unhealthy range for your type. And that has been another huge component of my own Enneagram journey is understanding this. Wow. Another yeah. part of the Enneagram that's talked about in terms of health and growth are called our arrows. And every Enneagram type has certain traits maybe that they display when they're really like stressed or unhealthy. And it's traits of another Enneagram type that they're connected to on the symbol through a line. Oh, which is really interesting. So each number is connected to two other numbers and one is a path to stress and one can be a path to growth and where you take on some of the aspects of another type that can help balance some of the more negative parts of your own type, which um, is hard to get into in one quick conversation, yeah, but bet. it's a really, really cool part to awesome. recognize your own behavior, your own patterning, your own things that maybe you don't like the way you're handling something and you can see, oh, wow, I'm really like slipping into my unhealthy path of stress. Wow. That is, oh, that's so incredibly helpful for like everyone. Now you've got like my wheels turning where I'm like, okay, I want, I want to ask you more about like myself too, but that is fascinating. So many deeper levels to it. Um, so much more than I originally thought the Enneagram was uh, before, you know, really diving into it more with yourself. And so I love that people have options for where they can get resources when they're looking into things. And I feel like it's so important if you are interested in learning more about the Enneagram that you're really learning the deeper side of it and stepping outside of just the fluffy stuff that we can often find on Instagram. And so what resources do you recommend for people that are wanting to learn about the Enneagram, the Enneagram or that are maybe looking to become an Enneagram coach themselves? Yeah. Um, Luckily, it has become a little bit more mainstream. And so there are quite a few different ways you can learn about the Enneagram. If you want amazing free content, Instagram is loaded with it. Like we said, there are the lighter, creative, kind of artistic things that people put out who maybe just love the Enneagram as a hobby. And that can be really fun. 
But if you want to go deeper, there are most of the Enneagram coaches on Instagram are putting out the deeper teaching, educating content. Um, that's what I try to do with my content. And a lot of coaches I follow do the same. Um, Enneagram University has its own Instagram page, which is where I got my certification. And through that, you can connect with other Enneagram coaches who got certified there. Um, you can also just search any of the hashtags on Instagram, like Enneagram coach or Enneagram type, whatever. And there's tons of stuff out there. Um, there's also books. One of my favorite books about the Enneagram is called The Wisdom of the Enneagram. And it's sort of the gold standard book that teaches you about the really deeper layers of it and the spirituality behind it. Um, there are a few different kinds of certification programs if you want to become a coach. The one I went through did not have any type of religious component, but I know there are other programs that really connect it with Christianity. And if that's part of your belief system or part of the way you want to coach people is through a spiritual Christian lens, then there are programs that connect those two teachings together that I've heard really great things about as well. So there's both of those options. The Enneagram isn't a Christian system. It's really old and it's come into being over years and years of people adding their own components to it. But a lot of modern day Christian organizations and churches have started using the Enneagram and connecting it to their own teachings. So it doesn't, you, don't, you can be of any spiritual or religious background and still use and understand the Enneagram alongside your own belief system. Very cool. Yeah. And we'll make sure to link a lot of that information in the show notes. So everyone has easy access to it, who is wanting to look into more information. And so before we go, I would love to do something real, just short and quick and fun with you. I want to do a rapid fire kind of interest. Is that okay? Yeah, let's yeah? do it. Okay. So I'm always so curious about, you know, what people are enjoying like right now. So what is your number one podcast that you are enjoying right now? Oh, I love the human design podcast with Jenna Zoe. Awesome. I, I love don't that remember the exact, I think it's just the human design podcast. I, I believe so. I love that I one too. I love it. Yeah. It's it's fantastic. Check it out if you haven't already. Uh, what is your favorite food that you're enjoying right now? Um, my favorite food are olives. I love olives and I can eat them like mixed with almost any meal. <laughs> I know it's <laughs> random and strange. That's one of the reasons I loved living in the Mediterranean is because olives are just like so cultural there. Very, very cool. And I, I know that you have lots of different hobbies, but what hobby is catching your interest right now? Um, well, I took piano lessons as a child from third grade to ninth grade. And now that I'm back in my childhood home in during this transitional time, I have access to a piano again and all of my old sheet music. And I am very rusty, but I am starting to play piano again, which is really cool because it's using that part of my brain that I haven't accessed in a while. 
Ooh, very exciting. That was so much fun. Thank you for being a sport with this rapid fire, but also thank you so much for sharing more about yourself. I was thrilled to learn some new things about you. And I know our listeners will really enjoy the beautiful insights that you shared with the Enneagram. And as I mentioned earlier, we'll have that information linked in the show notes. And thank you so much, Carrie, for just opening up to us and sharing more about yourself. Thank you. I super enjoyed it. And I can't wait to interview you for next week's episode. It'll be fun. All right. We will see you guys or chat with you guys again soon. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it, please consider sharing it with friends and or family. We'd be incredibly grateful if you rated and reviewed the podcast on your preferred listening platform as it really helps. If you'd like to reach out to us, you can connect with us through our websites or Instagram, which are all linked in the show notes. We'd love to hear from you. Our theme song was written by Michael Ahrens.